0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our pre-recorded Christmas service. Currently, right now, if you're watching this at 11 o'clock, we at Joppa Baptist Church are beginning our Christmas communion service, and so we're very excited to be able to share in the Lord's communion on the day of his birth, which is very exciting. But we wanted to uh, pre-record a Christmas message for you if you're watching this uh, on Sunday morning. Um, It is December 25th, Christmas Day, so hopefully you have unwrapped presents with kids and grandkids, and hopefully you've sipped some uh, coffee with some uh, cream and sugar and, and gotten some good caffeine after waking up early. Um, and uh, and maybe you're at church, uh, and so we're uh, excited. Uh, maybe you're traveling. Maybe you're watching this, you know, far away from home. So uh, traveling, mercies to you, and I pray that you make it home safe uh, and from your journeys. Um, so today we're talking about our topic is the greater gift. And what is the greater gift? At, you know at Christmas time, we typically give gifts more than any other time of the year. Uh, sometimes we give gifts at Easter and of course birthdays. Um, and so talking about the greater gift. Uh, At Christmas, we give gifts, not that we can receive, but we can replicate the biblical principle that took place for Jesus. So if you would, let's turn first to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Jesus has just been born, and the Magi, the wise men, uh, are coming to see him and see the birth of the Savior. So they've met with Herod, and he's told them to come back and report to him. Of course, don't do that. They move on and uh, and, and go a different way after being told. Um, but starting in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10, the Scripture says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now there's a lot we could go into about these particular gifts of course, what the frankincense would do, the aroma, the healing properties of the myrrh, the obvious uh, uh, advantage of having gold (laughs) in the ancient world. Um, But these are really great gifts to give. Any young uh, family, especially one who's just had a baby, um, they're gonna be able to use these things very, very well. So there's a lot there about the type of gifts that were given, the Magi thought about the gifts, they didn't just show up with what they had in their back pocket. Um, And this is where we get the tradition of giving gifts on Christmas. Um, and I know many Christian families who give three gifts because the wise men gave three gifts. Um, it's interesting that we, uh, we typically depict this as three wise men because there are three gifts, um, but of course the Bible doesn't say, it doesn't give a number about the wise men. So Jesus receives a token of love from these wise men, a gift that represents their love and joy at his birth, and what his birth represents. So this idea of gift giving, you know, it's so easy to criticize the commercialism of Christmas and that it's all about gifts and that's why it's so special. But I think as you mature in your faith, you get spiritually older, you begin to see more and more that that gift giving is so much more about the joy and a joy that comes from an origin point from the birth of Christ. So what does Jesus represent? To most people, he represents Savior, King, Lord. Redeemer, you know, atonement maker. He is these things. And these things start at his birth because his entry into human flesh, into the world, is the beginning of a short 33 year long plan of redemption. He's going to be born so that he can die. He had to be born so that he could die. Without his birth, we don't have the death and we don't have the resurrection. So it's very exciting to to give gifts to one another because it's a representation of the gift God has given the world. And this is a gift that God has prophesied for a long, long time. The birth of Jesus is the best gift that's ever been given, a savior and a sacrifice for our sins, our Lord giving of himself so that you and I could be saved. Think about the, the gifts we have gotten the myrrh of Jesus that cures ailments, the frankincense that gives us a new aroma and scent you know, in front of the Lord, and finally gold, something that's worthwhile, something that not even fire can destroy. You can think about the implications of that as you are now gold in Christ and the fires of hell will not touch you. Um, so we give gifts, and, and and I think it's a good thing to give gifts. We should not be so wrongly pious that we withhold gifts from children to avoid commercialism and them becoming spoiled. Jesus received gifts, and it is such a good thing to give. And of course, this is often best summed up, and it is better to give than receive. Really, what that's tapping into is the joy of of loving somebody and giving them a gift and having them experience that same love that uh, you you have for them. And I think that's such a beautiful picture here because what we want is not, all of us running around all the time and just like, I want for me, and I'm only going to do for me. This is the unchristian idea. This is the antichrist behavior, is that I'm going to do for me only, and I don't care about others. Jesus cares about others instead of himself all the way to the cross. So that's why that's so, so important. Uh, If you would, turn to the book of Isaiah, And we're going to look at a little bit of Isaiah chapter 9. This, of course, is a great prophecy of Isaiah about the coming of the child, the one who's going to be born and who's going to restore the kingdom of God to its people. So let's go through this a little bit. Isaiah chapter 9, it says in verse 1, There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former times he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali but in the latter time he was made glorious the way of the sea the land beyond the Jordan Galilee of the nations then we have verse 2 and this is where we begin to see the prophecy coming forth the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has a light shone So think about the deep darkness that is upon the world prior to the birth of Christ. God has been silent for over 400 years. The glories of the Old Testament and King David and King Solomon are long, long gone. And the people are in darkness. And the birth of Christ is the light. That star above his manger that marks his birth is the first time the light begins to shine again spiritually. Now think about us. We live in a dark world as well. The light of the world, Jesus, is the only light that lights up our darkness. He's the only one that transforms my dark heart, my dark soul, into one that has light by his presence. So we who walked in darkness have seen a great light. There's a lot of people who are still walking in darkness this holiday season. And if you have the light of Christ in you, you are called by God to show, to shine, to be that city on a hill that others can see your good works and they'll glorify their Father in heaven. So if you have the light, you're meant to shine. Verse three, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. Christ brings the joy, not not just to individuals, but to nations. He saves communities. He saves families, cultures, groups. Jesus is moving so, so much grand, Uh, grander than we ever know or think. We always see our little world, our little bubble, and think that's all that God is doing, but he's moving on such a grassed van scale, the scale we can never even comprehend how much he's actually doing. And the joy that we have, the harvest of spirituality, the love, the joy, the the peace, all the fruits of the spirit that are being gathered and stored by God in this great harvest, this is our joy, that we could have these things. And have these things together. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Verse four, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. So God has broken the ones who will oppress his son and his people. The Messiah is bringing the freedom that's going to break the chains of bondage that are on God's people. And that's what Jesus is doing today. And he can do that for you. Maybe he already has. And you are are loving the freedom that Jesus has brought you. But if you're wrapped in chains on something, Jesus is the only one who can break them. And I don't know what they might be. And I'm going to speak to Christians now because I think lost people, unregenerate people, you need Christ. But Christian, what chains are wrapped in you? What chains have you wrapped so tight that you feel like you can never break free? And sometimes you wiggle out a little bit But then after a short time, it just tightens back again and brings you back down. What sin is that? Mark it right now in your mind, because only Christ can break that chain. He is the only one who can destroy that bind upon you, and you have to go to him. But the joy is is that he has come, and he will break that chain if you go to him. Verse 5, For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire There may be a battle coming, there may be a war coming in our time, but there's a war right now spiritually, and we are fighting against powers of darkness, against the prince of the power of the air. Paul rightly warned us that our battle is not fleshly, it is spiritual, and that is where we must meet the enemy and ready to win. Verse six, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This child has been given today for you and I. And it's not so that he could stay a baby in a manger. And we always have baby Jesus who's so cute and cuddly and we just love forever. No, this baby grows up to be the government falls on his shoulder. And he grows up to be a counselor. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He is a Prince of of peace, and he brings that peace. If you're struggling this Christmas day or these holidays, it may be because you don't have peace, And I would encourage you to turn instead to the Prince of Peace, the one who can take away that shame, that hurt, that pain, that sin, and bring you peace. Isn't that what you want more than anything else? I know it's what I want. Verse 7, "'Of the increase of his government and of peace,' There will be no end. That is one of the greatest things about following Jesus, is there's no end to his peace. Right now, today, you can find peace in little things, even food or relationships or a career, but it's gonna end. And you'll have to find something else to satisfy that longing for peace in your heart. But I'm telling you, the scripture is telling you, the prince of peace, of his peace, there will be no end. Turn to Jesus Christ and live and find a peace that never ends. It is everlasting, which means it will last you for eternity as you spend in glory with the Father. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Righteousness is coming. Holiness is coming. Hold on. I know there's sin all around you. There's sin within you that is causing you distress, causing you grief, but hold on. Don't give up. For if we give up, we will fall. And it'll be revealed that we were never truly serving him. God's people are going to hold on to the end. And God is not going to let his people fall. He promised in his word, John chapter 10, if you're in my hand, I will not let go. If you're in my hand, nothing can take you out. And that's such a beautiful Beautiful promise today. I have another text I'd like to turn to, if you don't mind. This is going to be a a great place, I think. Uh, is First Peter chapter four. So if you turn to First Peter chapter four, while you're turning there, I just want to go on. We have the gift of Christ. He's a precious present for our weary souls. His kingdom will not end, and His love for you will never, never end. It'll never be revoked. You can never sin enough to stop Jesus from loving you. He is gonna come in with love and take away that sin and replace it with his everlasting peace. So this is the gift that you and I have been given. Matthew chapter two, he was given physical gifts. We give physical gifts. Isaiah nine, we have a son who has been given to us for salvation, not for just this world alone, but for the next eternal world that God has created. Now turn to first Peter. First Peter Chapter four, starting in verse eight. It is now time to challenge ourselves. Since we have been given such a great gift, since we have been given the thing we need to go on and share in the love of Christ, let us now share with others. Chapter four, beginning in verse eight, the scripture says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I know there are hurts in your families right now. I know there are hurts in marriages and relationships and children. There are people who have left, who have abandoned you, they've abandoned the family. There are people who have divorced, who've broken, who've, who've, hurt, who've been hurt so bad and so deeply that they may feel that they can't love anymore. Christian, if you've been given the gift of Christ today, if you trust in that promise of Isaiah 9, then it is now time to begin to give the gift this Christmas of the love of God. Look at that verse again. Keep loving above all other things. It's more important than anything else. Keep loving one another earnestly. But we don't do this in our flesh. Instead, we always turn to reasons why I don't have to love somebody and why I'm so offended by somebody and why God isn't going to make me love certain people. But the Bible doesn't say that. Love one another earnestly. And why? Because love covers sins. It covers a multitude of sins. Whatever hurt you have going on today, whatever pain is in you right now, love is covering. Love is covering. Love is going to cover your sin and the sins of others. You have, have you ever felt that feeling of when you know you did wrong and you ask for forgiveness and it is given to you freely? Versus when it is withheld from you. You know how much that hurts when it's withheld and you know how much the joy just floods your heart when it is given. And you have that gift today. And love will cover no matter what has been done to you, no matter how bad the hurt, no matter how bad the pain, and I'm not discounting how much damage has been done. You may be uh, seriously injured, physically, spiritually, whatever it is, mentally and and it's going to take a long time but but i'm promising you the word is promising you love can cover it love can fix it god's love makes all things new go on to verse 9 show hospitality to one another without grumbling and see even christians we're bad about this we're pretty good about showing hospitality but we get to we feel it gives us the right to complain you know i think grumbling is probably one of the worst sins we can do not just on Christmas, but any day, you know, think about gossip and slandering are right up there with the other sins that we like to condemn so much, but we fall into that stuff really easily. We fall into grumbling so easily. Jesus never grumbled. Jesus never went, oh, I'm so tired of these people. They're so stupid. They're so lame. They just never get it. I'm so sick of it. Now he says, father, take this cup from me. He says, how long will I labor with you? But those are a different intention. He never grumbles the way we grumble. And we need to stop our grumbling. We need to rest in that covering of love and go on to verse 10. As each has received a gift. Now, that I believe that's a reference to the gifts of the Spirit. Whatever your gift may be. Me personally, my gifting is more teaching. It's more preaching, pastoring, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, and so whatever your gift is, use it to serve one another. Use it to serve one another. Not to take Not to be served, but to serve as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, I love that idea of varied grace because grace is varied to each person. And some people need a little, some people need a lot. And God has entrusted us with our gifts to be at the right place at the right time, to love other people, to take care of other people, to help other people, and for them to know that we love them we care for them christian today you are the gift that can be given your love is the gift god has given you that you can give someone else don't withhold it don't 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 grumble about how you someone else is covered but you're not covered and this thing hasn't been forgiven yet and you're angry or you're you're upset love can cover it love can change it today love can make all things new. So I know it sounds a a little cliche, but the Bible's never cliche. You are the gift this Christmas. You are the gift today. And it is time to unwrap yourself. It is time to take those, those bindings. You know, we dress ourselves so well. We wrap ourselves in great paper and pretty bows so that everyone else looks at us and thinks we're together, we're perfect, we're holding it all together, but inside we're just falling apart. The cords of sin are wrapped around us and they're just being pulled tight. Christian, it's time to turn to Jesus and release, have those bonds released. It's time to be the greater gift, showing the love of others, covering other people's sins by your love and the love that God has given you. Today, you are the gift. And I want to speak to anyone who may be hearing this who is not yet a professing believer, not yet a Christian. I know that this world is offering you so many options, but I'm offering you a savior now who in saving you is still making it about himself. He's still making it about the will of God and the worship of God. And that's what separates Christianity from so many other faiths. At a certain point, It becomes about the worship of God and not about the worship of self. And this brings true joy. So if you're sitting there today and you're on the fence spiritually, you don't know, I'm going to ask you, this Christmas day, a gift has been given to you. A son was born and he's the Prince of Peace and he can bring peace to your life. So will you turn to him today? Will you put your trust in his name? I would love, if, if anyone does, I would love for you to contact us or send us a message. Our, my, our phone number's on the website. You can comment on this video. Um, but if you're turning to Jesus, we would love to know so we can pray for you and help you. And we encourage you to please do so. And finally, one last message to our church family and our Christians. We, we pray that you have a wonderful Christmas day today, wherever you may be. And if you're listening to this after Christmas, I hope that the gift has been given to you and that you don't stop giving it. Because the greater gift is the love of God. And we have been entrusted to share that gift with everyone. And we don't have just one or two. The love of God will never run out. It is infinite and glorious. Let me close for us in prayer. And we'll be dismissed back to our families on this Christmas day. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much that a gift has been given to us. And a gift is given, Lord, from each of us to each other. This love, Lord, that we didn't have to buy, we didn't have to package, we didn't have to have it shipped, Lord, or delivered. It has been given by the Holy Spirit and it fills each one of us and we have so much to share. So Lord, help us to share. Help us to be the greater gift today and share the great glorious gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In his name
1: we pray. Uh, good evening everybody. Uh, I know there's some that may be here that that hasn't been here before on on the Christmas on uh, Christmas time. So this is kind of a tradition that we've been doing for forever because brother Robin actually came here in two thousand and eight and that's when this tradition started. And somehow they me to read the read the Christmas story. Cause I've been reading it every year since two thousand and eight. So and it's a blessing, and then I enjoy it and 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 everything. So we're gonna to read from the Gospel of Luke. We know he was a physician. We know he wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he's going to give us his interpretation of of the Christmas story and how how Mary uh, delivered the baby Jesus on that. A good and beautiful night that it took place. So I'm going to read what the Scripture says here. I'm not going to get into a bunch of over what it says. I'll just read what it says, give him maybe a point or two here and there. <laughs> That's it. Okay, it says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken in all the inhabited earth. Now in what days? He's talking about here, Luther is talking about in the days that Mary was very close to birth. In those days, it was time, almost time for her to give birth. And at this time is when he put out this decree, a royal a royal command, basically, to go and take this census. Now, this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Wherever you, wherever you were born, you would go back to, your, to that city and register. And obviously, they wanted to tax you. That's what this was about. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house, and the family of David. And he went up there in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. So they were born, they were living in Nazareth at this time, they're born in Bethlehem. This is where, where they had to go back to. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. It was very close when she left, and now the time has come once they reach Bethlehem here. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So they're there they're in Bethlehem, and they go, go to this inn. There's no room there. There's a stable outside the inn where some animals are being kept. So that's the only, the only place they could find. So that's what, that's where, the, where they're at. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watches over their flock. This was great pasture land, right, right out in the, in the fields close to where they're at. So these shepherds are out there doing their duty, doing what they're supposed to do and watching over their flock. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. You can imagine. They're minding their flock, and an angel comes, the sky lights up, and they see the glory of it. I would be a little nervous too, a little a little afraid too. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Don't be afraid, I've come with good news, not bad news, and I'm, this good news will be for all the people. And the angel goes on and says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And says, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothing clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace and good will, peace among men with whom he is pleased. So he tells him how he's going to find the baby. So he, when he gets in the Bethlehem there, he'll know how who who the baby Jesus is and how to find him. And then when he's telling him that, all of a sudden, a multitude of angels angels comes down. Not just one or two, but the sky lights up with a multitude of angels. Even in Hebrew, the author of Hebrews. Uh, tells us in chapter 1, verse 6, that when when Jesus comes again the second time, that all the angels, not just a multitude, but all the angels will saying, or would be glorifying Him. And then when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying one or, to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing which that has happened. What the Lord has made known to us, they, they, they say, let's go and see what, what exactly what's taking place here. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And they go in, they find him. They find that he is in swaddling clothes and he is lying in the manger. They realize that, that they're in the right place. And when they seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. There were, they tell Joseph and Mary what, what they had been told, what the angel had told them. And anyone that was around, any relatives, any friends that the around close, they all w- was able to hear what they had to say. But Mary and, and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherd. You can imagine, they were wondering. We know that that they all expected a Messiah at one time, but they thought this Messiah would come in on a white horse with a sword, playing to it. be their Savior. But he comes in as a as a baby. So they're all wondering and talking about how can this be. And but Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. She didn't have to wonder. She had been there. The angel came to her, explained to her what was going on. So she was way ahead and understood a lot more of what was taking place than they did. So so again, she kept thinking about this and in her hearts. And then in the last verse here, and we'll close, the shepherds went back. They left. They go back glorifying and praising God for they all had heard and seen just it's been told them. Just what the angel had told them. They went back to their flocks again, and they talked about it, and heard, and they seen, and they understood what had taken place. So that's the story we read. Uh, we read each each Christmas, and two or three days before. And uh, so I'm going to close us in, in prayer. And, and again, uh, uh, I just thank the Lord and Jesus. I thank you and praise you for the opportunity you've given me. For all these years to to read this this Christmas story, Father, we want to thank you and praise you for the, the opportunity that all of us have together, together here this evening, and and to, uh, through, through this holiday season to celebrate the birth, the, the day that you you came down as a as a baby and you came down in the flesh and came. Save us of our sins and pay the penalty for our sins which we are not worthy to do. We thank you, we praise you, and I ask that each and every one that's come out here tonight that you will bless them according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.